Hey everyone, welcome to the Land of Hope podcast. Come with us this week as we plant our feet in the Land of Hope. Very excited to be kind of going through this sermon series that's completely different than what I would normally do. For those of you who've been here a long time, you know this, and I'm sorry, but for those of you who've not been here a long time, let me give you some context. We've been in the book of Acts since COVID started, (laughs) I think is about the amount of time. So we've been in the book of Acts about two years, and I think we got to chapter, I wanna say 18. And so we're just taking a smidge of a break from what we normally do, which is to go through the Bible really verse by verse to dig in and to really understand things. Because I don't know about you, but as someone who has a degree in Bible and theology and then taught Bible and theology, when we are going through Acts, I was learning stuff I had never learned before or looking at stuff deeply that I had never learned before. And uh, that's a testament to God's word, but that's what we like to do, right? Like we like to really dig into scripture. So we've been doing something a little bit different the last three weeks. We have been kind of taking these Christian disciplines that maybe we tend to neglect in our Christian American 21st century culture and talking about what's the biblical basis for things like silence, what's the biblical basis for things like solitude, right? And these things that are paralleling what we're learning as some of us go through the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality class. Right, So we're good at going to church and maybe singing and talking and having a great time, but are we good at sitting in silence before God? Not so much, right? It's a struggle, right? It feels like a discipline, like eating salad or something. It's like, (laughs) I know this is good for me. It's not enjoyable, but I'm going to do it. Okay? That's just a little window into my world. But nonetheless, these are spiritual disciplines that for most of the history of the church have been considered essential, but that we don't have. Like we've talked about this a million times, but two thirds of the Psalms are lament. They are sad songs about sad things that still magnify God, right? And that's hard for us too. We don't tend to sing songs that are about how sad we are and how bad things are right, while still glorifying God. And so we're talking about these things not because I'm saying the only way to God is silence, solitude, meditation, Sabbath, but these have been neglected aspects of our Christian life in our world and culture that the Bible talks about a lot. So we are taking the time to really dig into the Bible. What does it say about these specific things? Um, So we did silence, we did solitude. And I decided this week, possibly next, because I respect your time, that we will be focusing on what does the Bible say about meditation? What is biblical meditation? Because if you're like me, I hear the word meditation or meditate, and I immediately go, what are you talking about? Because meditation is also something that happens in our current culture and something that other religions also use. And so it's hard to remember that like the arts and music and all sorts of things, like the Bible spoke about it and had it present long before our culture said, you should meditate twice a day, you know, because 
of new age or you know, spiritual stuff that doesn't have anything to do with the Bible. Okay, so I was telling someone last week, I said, the Bible had it first, <laughs> okay, with meditation. The Bible had it first. So what that means is we go back and we say, what does the Bible say meditation is? And then we know that when we talk about meditating on God's word or meditating or taking time to meditate, we know what we're talking about when we say those things, right? And I wish we could have a different word for it so that we could specifically do it because we know that we mean we do it differently. But the point of it is, is that there's a reclamation in saying, I meditate daily because we're, the, the word originally meant something in the Bible. Does that make sense? So we're going back. We're saying, what does it mean for us? And I realize that that can be stressful for us, specifically if we've had a background in like new age spirituality or a bad taste in our mouth with stuff like that. I'm not saying you do, but I'm saying if you do, this can be like a hard word to get over. Does that make sense? So what I'm gonna try to do today is take us through the biblical examples of meditation. So at the very least, your heart kind of feels at peace and can say, this is what it looks like to meditate in a way that honors God. Okay, so in the Bible, there are different ways of understanding meditation. It means a few different things. And in fact, depending on what translation you're reading, sometimes in my version, it'll say meditate. And in your version, it'll say think on or question or there's one uh, reference of meditating in the Old Testament where some people actually, he went out to meditate or he was, he was meditating, talking about Jacob, and another translation says he was out for a stroll. Wow. And it's like, this Hebrew word's meaning is uncertain. <laughs> so I tried not to base what I'm telling you today on those examples where it could be taken multiple ways. I tried to stick to the stuff where it's like, no, this is the word that means meditate. But I will say, I often find I spend really good time with God while I'm out for a stroll. So <laughs> that's not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. So there's different understanding of meditation. Some places it means, what am I thinking on or rolling over in my brain? So if you have seen a counselor or are a counselor, you probably have heard the word ruminate or rumination. Now, ruminating, everyone who's done it is like, yeah. Ruminating is maybe the negative side of what meditation is the positive side of. So ruminating is when you're thinking of something, it is stressing you out, it is filling your thoughts, you are laying in bed at night, going down a spiral of not being able to stop thinking or worrying about this thing. Anyone? If you didn't know you did it, now you do. <laughs> That's rumination. And meditation in the Bible, oh, I do too, by the way. Meditation in the Bible means what we're thinking on or rolling over or chewing on. So it actually means the same idea, right? But ruminating is when it's all about us and our thoughts. It tends to be negative or stressful or anxious. And meditating is when we put our minds on the things of God. So same action, but we're meditating on scripture or his ways or his love or what he's done, okay? So 
In some places it means what we're thinking on or rolling over in our minds. In some places it actually means time set aside to focus on the Lord privately, which is what we would maybe more consider in line with when modern day people say meditation, what they mean. But across the board, meditation is equated with a focus on God, his ways, his teachings, i.e. his law, what he has said is good, his love, and remembering his works. So instead of worrying about something, I'm going to think on all the ways. <laughs> we did it today. I snuck it in. I'm going to focus and remember all the times that he has come through all the times he has been faithful, all the times he has done a miracle, and that is meditating on God's works. Does that make sense? We're keeping it at the front of our mind. So meditation is the discipline of aligning our thought life or our private internal conversations with God's ways and goodness. So every single one of us at all times is having a private conversation. Right now, you are thinking in your own brain your response to what I'm saying. Right? Can you do that sentence again? The uh, discipline of aligning? Discipline of aligning our thought life and our private or internal conversations with God's ways and goodness. So we have these private conversations, right? You're either saying, oh yeah, or you're saying no, or you're saying, you know, like in your brain right now, you're like, what are the Seahawks gonna do? Probably lose. <laughs> let's, let's be realists, okay, it's a rebuilding year. But we're all having these private conversations all the time. And what we learn is that our natural way of talking with ourselves, even when we have said yes to Jesus and we want him in our lives and we are filled with the Holy Spirit, often our internal conversations, the way we take things and take what people are saying and think about has more to do with our own fears, how we were raised, uh, the way that our parents talk to us. You know, I've heard someone say that your mom's voice becomes your internal voice. And then I thought, Maybe I have to be really careful about how I talk to my girls, you know? But it's true, isn't it? That so much of the time, the way we think to ourselves is much more in line with the way we were raised or the way that we see versus the kingdom of God and how Jesus thinks and how God thinks and what his perspective on things are, right? And this is where throughout the Bible, we see people talking about meditating on God's ways or his law or his love or his promises. Now, oftentimes in the Bible, it says, I will meditate on your precepts or I'll meditate on your decrees or I'll meditate on your law. And what that means is the things God has said. So that's scripture. When we say law, we mean, in this context, if we're talking about the Psalms, like the first five books of the Old Testament. Um, but I find often, because law has a negative connotation in our culture, right? It's like, yeah, that Old Testament angry God, which is not at all true. We just don't read enough of it to know. <laughs> I like to say teachings. Yeah. What are the teachings of God that he's given us? His precepts, his 
commands his teachings, right? If, so if law is a tough word for you, I'm saying that's a way to translate it in your head that's appropriate. So when we're meditating on God, we are meditating on his teaching, we are remembering his goodness, or we are thinking on his love and other attributes, his faithfulness, his goodness, his kindness, okay? So I'm going to give some examples of different ways that meditation is used in the Bible to encourage us and to keep us going, okay? So I'm going to be um, kind of jumping around a little bit. Uh, so follow if you can, but if you don't, just write the address if you need to reference it later. So first of all is this idea that meditation is our thoughts, what we're mulling on and offering our meditation to God instead of just what am I stuck on or what am I thinking on? And in Psalm 19:14, the psalmist says, may the words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and redeemer. So he's saying both in what I say, but also in what I think, in what is going on in my internal conversation, let it be pleasing to your sight. And so in this psalm, we're actually talking about giving over our thoughts to worship God, right? So may my thoughts be worshipful. May they be pleasing to you, right? Easier said than done. Everyone's looking a little uncomfortable. I know, I know. <laughs> yes, me too, me too. In Psalm 104, 34, it says, may my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord. So again, this idea that like we worship God with what we do, like my dad's setting up chairs and doing kids' church, that's worship. There's pleasing God with what we say, worshiping him, being kind to our families, um, talking about him to someone at work or, you know, in our, in our homes, in our businesses. But this seems to say that what's going on internally, what I'm thinking is also worship unto God. That I want what I'm thinking to be pleasing in his sight. And that's why, as we're going through EHS, what, the first thing we talked about on Thursday was self-awareness. Do we even know what's going on inside of us to say, Lord, this is not in line with you. <laughs> like, I'm not being worshipful. And in that, just in that declaration of saying, this isn't in line with you. I want, my I want what I'm thinking on to be pleasing to you. Right there, we have his grace and his encouragement and what we need to go forward, right? So part of it is literally just being self-aware. What am I thinking about? You know, you think you do this well while we're in church. Well, try it when you're driving during rush hour. <laughs> I, I joke that Amos loses his salvation when he drives in traffic and then he has to recommit afterward. <laughs> <laughs> right? But it's not, like for me, I might not say it, but I'm, I'm thinking it, right? So just this idea of knowing what we're thinking and saying, I want everything I do to be aligned in worship with you. And then I also want to know when I'm not aligned with you so that I can ask for your help, right? It takes humility to say, I may not be saying the wrong thing, but I'm sure not thinking the right thing. And even in that, Lord, like I ask you to come in and show me your mercy. 
so there's, there's that idea of meditation is our thoughts and offering that meditation to God. Then there's God, meditation on God's teaching is the root that, that our doing comes out of. So I don't know if you feel like God has ever asked you to do something that's too hard for you. Like, you know, when you were a teenager, it's like, break up with your boyfriend. Like, that's, that's the big one when you're a teen and you're trying to follow God. Um, <laughs> but it can be anything. It can be like the Lord wants you to give and you're not feeling generous, right? Or the Lord wants you to quit your job and do something that makes less money. Or, you know, on and on and on, right? And in Joshua... Joshua is getting ready to take over leadership from Moses. Moses. Okay? So who, who is still, his teachings is the foundation of Judaism. Right? So we have Joshua getting ready to take over for Moses and keeping in mind that it's not Moses, God bless him, but Joshua who actually has to get the Israelites into the promised land. Right? So not to say 40 years in the desert with people who are grumbling is easy. But I'm like, would you rather be Moses or Joshua? I'm not sure. That's like, but they're both really hard. And this is what God says to him. This is his word to Joshua as he's saying, now it's time for you to take over. He says, be strong in Joshua 1, 7 through 9. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. And do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. This we are, we are usually familiar with. Be strong and courageous. Keep the book of the law, God's teaching, his word, his scripture, always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night that you may be careful to do everything written in it. We cite that less. <laughs> Then you will be prosperous and successful. And then he finishes with, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So we have these two pieces of bread saying, be strong and courageous. And the meat sandwich is, speak what God has said. So know the scripture, know his teaching so that it's on your lips, but also keep it on your mind, right? Meditate on it. Have it always present in your brain. Why? So you will be prosperous and successful, not in getting the new job or whatever, I mean, right? But like in doing what God has called you to do when you don't feel strong enough to do it or when you come against obstacles. So that being strong and courageous doesn't come out of nowhere. It's not like God's like, boom, strong and courageous. That kind of strong and courageous that the Lord gives me, like I'm an introvert when I have to go into a, a place where I don't know a lot of people or I know I'm gonna have, have to have lots and lots of conversations with people I don't know. I will feel the Lord like give me the courage to go inside the building and be friendly instead of open a book and start reading in the corner, which is what I would have done 20 years ago. But what he's saying is that this book of the law, these things that Moses taught you that I have said, they should be coming out of you, but they should also be 
constantly on your mind. They should be in you, and you should be careful to do everything that I've said because this is the way to succeed in what I'm asking you to do. And I think oftentimes when we talk about obeying God, we're like, because God has these rules and I should obey them because then I know I'm good or then I know he'll bless or then I, whatever it is, right? But what this seems to be saying is more like, if you're keeping them on your mind and I've asked you to do something, you'll be prosperous and successful not because I'm like, you've checked the boxes. Not because the Lord is saying, you've checked the boxes, but literally because he is the wisdom, capital W, of the universe. So if the Lord gives us a teaching, he knows what he's talking about. I mean, I think about how disciplined Amos was when like the first day we started dating, he's like, these are gonna be our physical boundaries. Because we grew up in this true love waits culture where it's like everything was about not consummating the relationship before marriage. Yes, <laughs> earmuffs. Everything was about that. And yet, Amos and I didn't have this standard, thank God, because we were looking for some kind of prosperity gospel in our relationship. Like, if we don't do this, then our marriage will be easy. If we do, like, do you know what I'm saying? It wasn't checking boxes. It's like, I really believe that if the Lord says something is good, that means it's good. If the Lord says something is bad, that means it's bad. And whether or not I see the consequences right away, if his law is in my mind, if his teaching is there, I'm going to be successful in what he's called me to do. Not, I don't mean like American successful. I don't mean all the money and all the accolades. And all. I mean, I'll be successful in what he's asked me to do because when he says something's good, it's because he's capital W wisdom. So it all really comes down to like, what do I think? Who do I think God is? Because then when we're thinking on what he has said, we're doing it with love and joy because we know that what he has said is ultimately what? What's best for us, right? And that's not to shame anyone or say, because listen, there's a lot of examples all of us could come up with where we haven't done that. Where we're like, God is good and what he says is good, but just like right there. Right? We all have those things. So I'm not saying because I, I, I hesitate even to share that example because it doesn't feel like the most vulnerable thing in the world to share. But I'm saying in this one instance, that was a time where I was like, I know I wasn't doing it to check a box. I was doing it because I really believed that what the Lord said was good. So this is the moment where, where Joshua is taking leadership from Moses and he is admonished by God to meditate on God's word, to have it constantly on his brain, to keep talking about it in the words he speaks and in his private internal conversations. Meditation is to keep God's word ever in his mind, ever in our minds, to think it over, roll it over and over. And these bookends of strong and courageous have this middle of, Keep God's word. Keep his ways. 
obey him, do what he's asked us to do, it will make it possible for Joshua to do what God has asked of him. So then meditation on God's word here is a spiritual discipline. It is one that keeps us in line with our calling and gives us the strength to obey. Now, every single person in this room has a calling from God. For me, it's mommy, wife, pastor. But every single one of us has a calling. I'm looking around the room thinking, God has placed each of us exactly where we're supposed to be to serve him in exactly how we're supposed to, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or a teacher or or whatever you are, God has put you there for a reason. And so our calling, right, is, I mean, base level, go and make disciples of all all nations. That's true for all of us, whether or not we're pastors or something else. But the point is, is that each one of us has this thing that we have to have God's strength in order to walk out. And then in Psalm 1, it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. And then notice, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. And so, like for Joshua, the psalmist here writes of delighting in God's teaching, of having it constantly on their mind. So meditation here is not sitting still in one place, repeating one word over and over, okay? (laughs) Meditation, sorry. Um, But rolling the word of the Lord around in our brains as we go throughout our day everywhere we are, right? And We think on it because his ways are joyous. As a result of this kind of love for God's ways and teachings is that we are rooted in a way that is so deep and stable that we'll be fruitful as we go throughout life. So being fruitful is not, uh, comes from not living in the counsel of the foolish, which we could equate with the way we would maybe naturally think in our own brains, right? The ways of our culture, the ways of our, uh, the way we grew up, the way of everything else, but to sit in the counsel of God's word. And that's meditation here. That rather than being influenced by the things around us that were influenced primarily by him, If anyone in this room feels dry and withered, this is a place to look. Are you filled up with God's word? Are you filled up with his teaching? Are you filled up with his ways? Meditation on God's law is the road to wisdom is also something that's constant throughout the Proverbs and the Psalms. In Psalm 119, the psalmist says, which is, a little boastful, but whatever. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. So again, I'm not picturing someone sitting alone in a room being like, Genesis 1-1, you know, 
but rather someone who is, again, kind of constantly having the things of God on their brain, right? And this is why, for me, I know a lot of people struggle with reading their Bible because not all of us like to read, right? Or not all of us have a translation that speaks to us because, you know, every 10 to 20 years, a new translation's got to come out because we have to have it in language we understand, right? And this is why I'm like, there's a million audio Bibles. Pick a translation that feels right to you. Get it on audio and listen to it on your ride to work in the morning. Listen to it on your break, right? 10 minutes of Bible, 20 minutes of murder podcast. <laughs> Whatever it is that you'd usually be listening to, tithe an amount of that time to God's word. You can listen. You don't have to read, right? So... What I'm saying is, like, there's no wrong way to get it in you. Just get it in you. There's meditation as corporate praise. In, in Psalm 48, it says, As we have heard, so we have seen in the city of the Lord Almighty, in the city of our God, God makes her, Jerusalem, secure forever. Within your temple, O God, we meditate on your chesed, your unfailing love. Like your name, O God, your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. So this psalm, like we talked about corporate solitude last week, where I was like, we'll have to come up with a theology for that. But it's there. It's like getting away together is in the Bible, right? So here, meditating on God together is a part of Israel's worship. It's a part of their praise, saying we're coming together to think on, to roll over, to focus our minds on your unfailing love or your loving kindness or your faithful love. It's translated different ways, but it's the same word, chesed. It's that covenant love that will never change. And that is corporate meditation, like we did in worship today, remembering what God has done together. Okay, how are we feeling next week or keep going for like seven more minutes? Okay, well then, those of you who didn't speak up, this is on you. Okay, <laughs> meditation on God is remembering. Now we did this today corporately, so we smushed the two, right? <laughs> we did, together we meditated on remembering what God has done. And in uh, in the Psalms, I'm just going to like rattle them off. In Psalm 19, it says, cause me to understand the way of your teachings that I may meditate on your wonderful deeds. Psalm 145, they speak, your, uh, the, the heavens, speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty and I will meditate on your wonderful works. This is what happens when you're out in nature, and I don't know why, but whenever I would get off the bus in eighth grade and where we had lived in Kent, you had a view of the Cascade Mountains. Like the second I stepped off the bus, I was like, there's a world that is not this world. And I know because I'm looking at the mountains right now. Does that make sense? It points to the fact that God is so much bigger right, than what we can understand. And that's what it's talking about here. I'll meditate on your wonderful works. 
In Psalm 119, it says, My eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. So here's one where instead of remembering or going back, we're actually going forward and saying, I will meditate. I will roll over in my mind what God has said he will do. He will protect. He will provide. He will be faithful. And in that, this feels like the cure for some anxiety, right? Because it's through the middle of the night. So if you're ruminating, that's the time you're most likely to do it. (laughs) And instead, we're meditating on God's promises. Lord, what have you said you will do through your word and then through revelation, right? The promises he gives us as we're reading his word or we're speaking to him. And I really like this one because this is probably the closest we get, at least in this section, to what we think of as modern day meditation, where you're alone, you're quiet, and you're thinking on something, right? And that's what we have here is is, is that it's through the night when everyone else is asleep, I'm going to be meditating on your promises, what you said you will do. In Psalm 143, it says, I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. We did that this morning. I think that's enough for today. I stopped at the end of page three, Paul. If I ever have a sermon that's over three pages, Paul goes, oh. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to stop there today. (laughs) But I hope at the very least, as we talk about these things, silence, solitude, Sabbath, meditation, these more contemplative aspects of Christian life, that I want us to go forward empowered to know that these are not buzzwords of the moment. These aren't things that, you know, a church that's lost its bearings <laughs> are looking at. We are going deep into God's word and saying, what is the picture of a full life with God? What is a picture of slowing down for God instead of doing activity for God? What does that look like in our lives, and and how can we walk that out? Not because God's holding back something from us, but that when we slow down and we're able to think on these things, we're able to receive what God has for us in a deeper way, and we're grounded. We're like the tree that's planted by streams of water that bears its fruit in season. Notice, not all year round, but that in season, we will bear the fruit we're supposed to bear when we're rooted in this way, okay? So let's take a minute. We're gonna do a minute of silence to meditate on. You can meditate on his word. You can just be quiet. You can think on what he has done. If there's a scripture that stood out to you or a phrase that stood out to you, you can meditate on that. But let's take a minute and do that. Lord, we come to you in thanks today that you are not interested in what we can do for you or accomplish for you. Lord, that is not the first thought on your mind when you see us. But Lord, that instead you delight in us as sons and daughters. Lord, that your love for us is a never-ending, unfailing, faithful love 
that doesn't depend on our ability to do this or that. And so, Lord, we ask that you would help us, God, to slow down. Lord, we ask you to help us to bring what we think about, what we're worried about, what we're afraid of, what we're joyful about. Lord, would you bring us more in line with you, your ways and your teaching and your goodness and kindness, Lord? Because the more we're like you, God, the more of a blessing we are to those around us. And so, God, I thank you that that even though in some ways this work feels impossible, God, that you said, (laughs) if anyone lacks wisdom, we should ask you because you give generously without shaming us for asking. And so, Lord, we ask for your help. We ask you to teach us, Lord, to meditate on you and your word and your ways, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hi, thanks for tuning in today. If anything that you heard moved you or touched you in any way, we'd love to hear about it. So please head on over to discoverhope.org connect and connect with us. And if you'd like to support the podcast or even sponsor the podcast, just head on over to discoverhope.org slash giving. Thanks.